So what is this Christian freedom that we have? There was, a, it was probably six or seven years ago, I was out at Cowboys Rest teaching at a, I think it was a winter junior high camp. And I was sitting there and Bob Burroughs, he's the guy that, that started that camp um, and he's been kind of my mentor. He came down to the cabin I was staying in and we were just hanging out and he said, so I have a question. He said, if Jesus is on the throne of your life, will you sin? And I thought for not very long and I went, well, yeah, I'm human, I'm gonna sin. And so he said it again, but if Jesus is on the throne of your life, are you going to sin? You know, he asked the question again, which means I got it wrong the first time. And so wrestling through and we got talking um, about what the Bible says about our condition. And, and if Jesus is on the throne, will you sin? Now, what's a throne? A throne is where the king sits. In a kingdom, the king, you know, in a monarchy, they get to call all the shots. They get to make all the decisions and everybody else, uh, they have to obey. So if Jesus is on the throne, I guess the truth is we, we won't sin. And, and we see in Galatians, as we were talking, we, we looked at Galatians, Galatians 5, 16, where Paul is writing and he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And God says, be holy as I am holy. And you start thinking about those things. And to be honest, it gets a little bit scary. <laughs> if you're like me, it's a little bit scary because you look in the mirror and you go, okay, walk by the spirit. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And I'm called to be holy. But then I look at myself and I go, wow, I fall far short. And so what do we, what do, we do with that? What is this freedom that we have? Now, I grew up with, I think, a very accurate understanding that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Salvation is through grace by faith Nothing I've done. Accurate belief. It's only through me believing in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross that I can be saved. But I, I also had a belief along with that that I'm still human and so I have to sin. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with understanding that's not true. We are human. There is this sin thing going on, but we're, we're free from it. We're free from the punishment but we're also free from the enslavement. And that's what we're gonna look at in Romans 6. We're gonna look at how we are free. There was a, a very well-known pastor, does great work. Uh, I was listening to him a couple years ago and I heard him teaching on something and he said, you know, we're just, we're just all a bunch of sinners that can't help but sin hundreds of times every day. And I went, oh, I, I struggle with that. I appreciate the recognition that we have this struggle because we do. I, I appreciate the grace that comes with you know, we're, we're not perfect and, and thank God that he gave a son and his blood covers all our sins. So I like that. But the idea that we have to just live in this state of enslavement to sin is just not, not biblical. And it, I've always known there's something wrong with that. I've never been comfortable with the idea of, you know, I sin and confess. I've had this happen. I, I sin and I tell somebody, well, you're only human. No big deal. Thank goodness you're forgiven. I was like, that's good but that's not it. That's not complete. That's not all of it. So look with me, please, at Romans 6, and we're going to see what Christian freedom looks like. Now, if you're a note taker, your notes are, are there on the seats, or there's an app, Common Ground Carson. You can download that, and there's notes on there you can follow along. But let's just start in Romans 6, 1, and Paul begins with a question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That's a good question. Paul had just been talking about freedom 
in Christ, that by faith we're saved, Jesus set us free, and because of God's grace, he overlooks our sin. And so he asks a valid question, shall we just sin then? Because if God's grace is good enough to cover all our sin, then let's just keep sinning. And then there's more grace, because grace is a good thing. It makes sense. He says, shall we keep on sinning? And then verse two, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? By no means. That is the most emphatic no in Greek. It's like screaming, heck no. Shall we continue to sin? Heck no. No way. By no means. Because we are dead to sin. Now the truth is, most Christians don't understand this. And that's one of the reasons why the church has all these accusations of hypocrisy. You say you believe one thing, you live another. Now, I'll be honest, you can accuse me of being a hypocrite and you'd be right <laughs> because a lot of times my life just doesn't line up. Praise God for his grace. But do we have to be comfortable with that? Do we have to live there? We don't. He said, by no means. Don't you know that you are dead? Verses three through six give us a beautiful explanation of salvation. And what happens? He said, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see the picture that he's painting. Here's what happens. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, new things have come. That's what he's describing here, that if you, when you by faith give yourself to Jesus Christ, when you trust the blood on the cross, what Jesus did for you, and you say, take over my life, your old self dies. And the way he says it, you were crucified with Christ. You, You were nailed to the cross too. Your flesh was crucified. And then Jesus rose from the dead three days later. You're united with him in all of that. It's a great mystery of how this works, but it's true, but it's true. But what's it say in verses three three through six that I just read there? Verse six says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Is this scary to anybody but me? (laughs) That you read and you go, we're supposed to be free from sin and then I look at my life and I know what's in my heart. And if I told you what was in my heart, you'd all probably leave. (laughs) and You wouldn't listen to me anymore. It's scary to see, and then read 1 John. That's really scary. (laughs) Reading 1 John and talking about how we should be living lives of holiness, not stuck to sin. So what does he mean? Does he mean that we as Christians should be perfect? Does he mean we will be perfect? Because we could live guilty lives, looking at this and going, I know there's sin in my life, so I must not be saved. Then we're going to be really afraid. I must not be saved because look at the darkness still in me. Or we live in guilt over and over and over, but that's not the freedom. That's not Christian freedom. So we need to understand this. And this is in your notes. We are not dead to sin's presence in our life, but we are dead to our obligation to give in to sin and obey it. Listen to that. We are not dead to sin's presence in our life. For a long time, you know, I I thought as I mature and grow, my temptations will go away. 
that's not true. <laughs> and I've talked to those much, much older than me who have confirmed that the older you get, the temptations remain. And sometimes that's depressing to think, oh, I have to deal with these temptations my whole life because sin dwells in these bodies. And until I'm separated from this body, sin is going to dwell. Sin is going to be calling. But we don't have to give in. So that's what we just said. That's in your notes. We're not dead to sin's presence in our life, but we are dead to our obligation to give in to sin and obey it. We talked about the throne. Who's sitting on the throne? Well, before we were Christians, sin was on that throne. Really, I was on the throne. And when you give your life to Christ, you're saying, I want you to go on the throne. You have a new king and things change. So here's a picture. Now, I was looking for a kid wearing pants and there's only one. Elise, I need your help. Can you come help me? Come here. I, I want you to get up on the stage right there. Are you scared? Why not? Here's us before we have Christ. Chained to sin. Enslaved to sin. We have no choice. Now, Elise, you want to walk across the stage? <laughs> Try, go all the way across the stage. It's heavy, huh? Yeah. yeah. Can you get there? Oh, good. Nice. Okay. Now, this is, this is sin. This is us enslaved to sin. Before you're a Christian, before you surrender your life to Christ, you can't do anything but sin. Sin is missing the mark. Keep going. Sin is doing anything other than what God would have you do. Even your good deeds done without Christ aren't good deeds because they're done in your own strength. Keep going. <laughs> All right, well, sit down and see if you can just take that off then. See if you can get loose. And so we're stuck with sin. If, if there's kids that want to see, if you want to see better, you can come sit up front. The front's open if you want to be able to see better. Nadia, do you want to come see better? Yeah, come here. Um, and sin will draw us down. Sin will destroy us. How many people are destroyed through alcoholism, through pornography addiction, through compulsive lying? You name it. Sin will destroy your life. And, and we're stuck in sin. We're enslaved to sin and there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. Right, Elise? <laughs> Unless... We're set free. We're set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood on the cross is the key that unlocks it. Now, can you be free? Check it out. And now Lee stands up. And now, Elise, go ahead and walk across the stage. It's a lot easier, huh? Yeah, thank you. You can go sit down now. Thank you. Elise, do you want to sit up front here with these girls? Okay. You'll be able to see better because I'm going to 
I'm going to use this again in a little bit. But that's life. Life without Jesus, we're stuck in sin. Life with Jesus, we're set free. Through him, he unlocked it. Do you know that's true? Do we understand that? Do we live that way? Or do we think we're still carrying this thing around? Do we think we still have to be attached to our sin? Colossians 1.23, or I'm sorry, Colossians 1.13. Speaking of Jesus, it says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is what has happened. Look at this. It's a kingdom transfer. You have a new king. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You had to obey your flesh. You were enslaved to it, but now you have been delivered from that domain of darkness. And you've been transferred to a new kingdom. You have a new king. And who's our new king, girls? God. God, Jesus, yes. He is our new king. We don't have to obey the old king anymore. Here's a little picture. Um, I was a wrestler in high school, junior high and high school. And I had the same coach for most of that, Coach Kinney. Um, There was another coach, Coach Burkholder. He was awesome too. But so coach, uh, during wrestling season especially, coach got to call the shots. Uh, my senior year, I was the only senior on the wrestling team. And so I did whatever coach said for the, the good of the team. If coach said, hey, you need to lose a few pounds for next week, I would lose a few pounds for the next week. If coach said, hey, in order for our team to win, I need you to wrestle up 20 pounds. And John understands some of that. I would wrestle up 20 pounds. I would do what co- coach said. Uh, practice was grueling in wrestling. We, you know, the room would be all closed in. Uh, sometimes it was so intense, there'd be sweat dripping from the ceiling, but it was, it was intense workout. And we'd do this conditioning where we'd be bear crawling and we'd sprint and do all this. It was bad. And, and coach had a, a saying, he said, you'll pass out before you die. And so that was supposed to be comforting because we felt like we were going to die. You won't die. You'll pass out before you die. And if you pass out, we'll drag you off the mat and we'll keep going. Well, I had no choice at that time. I was part of the team. I had to do what coach said. If coach said, be here right after school and work out, I'd be there right after school to work out. If coach said, be here before school to run, I'd be there before school to run. I had to do what coach said. But what if, what if coach called now? What if my phone rang and I answered it and it was coach? He said, hey, Derek, I need you here tomorrow for conditioning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's kind of weird, right? But I could do it. I could, I could still do it. If he called, I could still go. And let him yell at me until I ran and passed out. Uh, Because now I would pass out. I'm not in the shape I was then. I could do it. But isn't that confusing? That makes no sense. It's the same way now. We've been set free. That's what Paul is saying. You have been set free from sin. But yet, we can still go back to that old master. So for some reason, we will go back. And we'll still kind of wrap it around. Now, the, the, the chain is never locked again. We're set free. But... We'll go back to it and we'll, we'll pick it up like it's still, uh, like we have to, but we don't anymore. We don't anymore. That's what he's saying. You can go back. So this should give us a little bit of peace. If you struggle with some sin, guess what? That's part of life. It, it, we can go back and pick it up. But sanctification growing is how we learn not to do that. And let's look on. He gives us practical ways. He helps us in this. Now, this is in your notes. Jesus not only dealt with the penalty for sin, I am forgiven, which he did. He dealt with the penalty. I don't care if you truly give your life to Christ, I don't care what you do sin-wise, that's covered by the blood of Jesus. 
Amen, yes. And so you can rest in that forgiveness. You can be confident in that. You don't have to live in guilt and fear. But the temptation then is just to be okay with it. Well, that's not the case either. Jesus not only dealt with the penalty for sin, I'm forgiven, but he also dealt with me as a sinner. I'm free from the obligation to sin. Elise, you were chained to this and you couldn't get loose, right? Would you want to carry that around all day? Why not? Because it's heavy? Yeah, what if you dropped on your toe? That'd really hurt. But that's what we do. We go back to sin, we pick it up, we carry it, we drop it on our toes. We mess up our lives by going back to something we don't have to do. Look at verse six with me. Because we're gonna look at three steps that Paul gives in this passage of how to walk in victory, in freedom. Three steps to Christian freedom. Step one, we see, and it's in verse three and verse six. But verse six says this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Step one, know. Know that you are dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. The first step is you need to know this. And if you're here, now you know it. The Bible says you're free from it. The Bible says you no longer have to walk in sin. You know you're free. You are adopted. You are now a son or daughter of the king if you have by faith trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You're free. Do you know that? You're adopted. You're a son or a daughter, meaning you're accepted. You're part of Jesus' family. Do you know that? You're free from your old life. You don't have to live in it. Now you know that. That's the first step. You have to know it. Because if you think you have to sin, guess what? You're going to sin. And you're probably, that's just, you're just going to live there. Well, I'm human. I have to do it. You have to know you're free. And now you know. You can't claim ignorance anymore. You know. This new man is accepted by God, united to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. This is what we need to know. You, if you're a man or a woman, the Bible says new man, but new person, new creation, you're new. You're united to Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. Know this. Look at verse seven. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Now, we know we're gonna live with him for eternity in heaven. That's awesome. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So here's what Jesus did. He died once and he rose once, never to die again. We are united with that. Meaning we don't need to die to sin over and over and over. We're going to see what we do do. But we're free. We're dead to sin once. We're united to Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. For the death he died, he died to sin once. Verse 10 again. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. By the way, Jesus is in a body. He's with the Father now, but he also lives here on earth. How does Jesus live on this earth right now? In our hearts. hearts. Good job. Jesus lives in us. So the life he lives, he lives to God. Meaning, if he lives in you, he lives his life to God through you. This is what we got to witness this week uh, at, at camp with some of these kids. A lot of these kids, they were living their lives dead to self and alive to God. And Jesus was loving people through them. 
That's, that's this life. Now look at verse 11. This is step two. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider. That's the second step. First, know. Second, consider. Consider means to think about it or reckon. King James Version uses the word reckon. It's account, an accounting term. It says, consider yourself dead to Christ and alive to, to Dead to sin and alive to Christ. Consider this. Reckon it. So um, running my business for years, I had to keep track of the books. And so I would do the books. Hey, Elise, you paying attention? Okay. So I would keep track of spending, keep track of all income and all that. And then I'd have to compare it to what the bank says. So I'd take the bank statement and my records and line them up. And they didn't always line up. <laughs> sometimes I made a mistake. Rarely did the bank make a mistake. And sometimes it took hours to find the mistake and then correct it. Oh yeah, I forgot this or that. But that's considering, that's reckoning. It's looking at the standard and then looking at what is, comparing and seeing that it doesn't line up. So you kids in school, raise your hand if you're in school. Yeah, okay. So say you're doing math and the problem is nine times two. What's nine times two? Wow, you guys are good. 18. So say you do the math problem, and then most textbooks in the back, they have the answers. So you do your math problems in the book, and then you move to the back, and you look at the answers. What if it's not the same? You know, you made a mistake, right? You're looking at what it should be and what it is, and you need to figure out how to make what it is what it should be. That's reckoning. So we look at our life, and we compare it to Christ. Christ is our standard. Remember, we've said this before, that the life of Christ, the Christian life, is not us living for God, but it's the life that Jesus lived, then lived out now through you and me. So Jesus' life is the standard, the standard of perfection. He never sinned. Our life needs to look like his life. He lives in us, and he's going to conform us into his image. So that's the standard that we look at. So that is what it means to reckon. Okay, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. What should that look like? It should look like Jesus. Now I look at me and I go, this doesn't line up and this doesn't line up. Okay, I see that. And I agree with God that that's true. The fruit of the Spirit. So what does the life of Jesus look like? It looks like the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those. <laughs> that's the life of Jesus in me. So when I see something that's not lined up with that, I reckon, I compare, I agree with God that I'm not lined up. I know that I don't have to live this way. I can be like Christ. And then we can go on to the next step. Now, this is in your notes before we go on to the next step. Jesus' life is our standard. We know what our lives should look like. They should look like his life. They should look like his life. Before we go to the next one, I want us to look at our dilemma. Because we can know, and then we can consider, but then there's an action step that we need to take. So let's watch this video. I hope it shows up well. It's a good illustration. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. 
You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, oh. So let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. <laughs> Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay, okay. so let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. So you see the idea there of who's on the throne or who's on the stool gets to call the shots. So we can know and we can consider, you know, she, she knew those things would be wrong. But then we have a choice to make. Now, if we need help with the consider stage, here's Psalm 139, 23, and 24. David says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes what we need to do as Christians, as followers of Christ, is we need to take an inventory. And we need to ask God to reveal to us where we're not in line. That's what David was doing right there. Search, he asked God to search him. You okay with God searching you and then revealing to you the results that he finds? Sometimes things come up in our life and they're obvious. Sometimes we, do, we need to do a little searching. Maybe somebody will point sin out in your life and you weren't aware that it was there. And you could get mad about it or you could humbly go to God and say, is this true? And look at it and let him reveal where you're not in line with him. Consider Verse 12, let not sin reign, let, excuse me, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. That verse is helpful because it again says you can. You're set free. We're no longer chained to sin, but we can pick it up again. He says, don't let it, don't let it. We have to do this all the time, don't we? Even as Christians, we can just walk around like this. We can walk around. We can just wrap it around. And now it's like I'm enslaved to it. Now it's never locked again. At any moment, we can just give it back to God. But we, we keep going back to our sin. We keep picking it up. He said, don't let it rain. Why did he have to say that? Because we tend to. <laughs> we tend to let it rain. And especially starting out, I, we did this at camp this week. I had, uh, actually I had Logan. <laughs> I had Logan come up and help me with the illustration. We played catch with a hacky sack. We threw it back and forth. I said, Logan, now throw it left-handed. And he went, 
And it fell like five feet short. I said, come on. And all the kids laughed, of course. And Logan threw it again. And it went over, you know. And that's, that's the Christian life. We go so far in life up till salvation, living on our own strength, in our flesh, enslaved to sin. And then walking with God, free from sin, it's not natural. It's like learning to throw left-handed. So natural for us is doing what our flesh wants. But it takes practice. Now, if you wanted to learn to throw left-handed, if you're right-handed, you could eventually do it, probably, but it takes practice, takes time. That's this life. It takes time, knowing, considering, and then that moves to our next step. Verse 13. Paul says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, And your members, that's talking about the members of your body, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Awesome. This is great. This is so helpful. Here's our third step. Know, consider, and then he says present. Present yourself. Now, here's what's wonderful about the Bible. It doesn't just tell you don'ts. It doesn't say don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. A lot of people think that's what the church is. But Jesus always gives you something better to do. He says don't. Present yourself to sin, because you can. Instead, present yourself to God as an instrument for righteousness, an instrument, a tool. Present or yield. What do you give yourself to? When I was a kid, I think I was about four or five years old, and there was a guy that was working for my dad, great guy, uh, still works for my dad, um, at masonry, doing stonework and things like that. And they were doing stonework on our house. And so he'd be doing the stonework or whatever, and he'd set down his trowel, which is the main tool for a mason. It's what you use to get the mortar. And he'd set down his trowel, and I'd sneak up, and I'd steal it, and I'd go hide it. And, he, and then he'd turn, and he'd try, he couldn't find his tool. <laughs> and finally, he'd find it and whatever, and I'd go steal it again, and I'd hide it until I got a spanking. Um, but when he needed his tool, he would turn and reach for it, and it wasn't there. It wasn't there. It was somewhere else. And that's the picture that Paul is giving. Do not present yourself to sin. Present yourself to God. So you can be that tool and you can set yourself right by sin. So when sin wants you, there it is. You can give yourself in and sin is ready to grab you. Your flesh is ready to grab you. Uh, Depending on what you struggle with, sometimes we need to avoid certain things, but we can present ourselves there. But here's here's the key to it. Instead of that, you need to present yourself, you need to set yourself right at God's side so that when God wants to use you, you're right there. You're not off running doing your own thing. You are right there ready. And that's the solution to this freedom. You know that you're free, you consider where you don't, and then you present or yield. Because if you're in God's hand and he's using you for his stuff, then guess what? When sin turns to grab you, you're not there. You're already being used by somebody else. That's the, the secret. We can't, if we wake up every day going, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, we're going to sin. We're going to struggle. You know? But if we wake up pursuing the kingdom, pursuing God's work, then we're, it, it's going to work out because we're going the right direction. We're not just fighting the wrong direction. Does that make sense? We're available to God for his use. Present. Do not yield to sin's call. Instead, yield yourself to God. Yield. I like the word yield because it's kind of like if you ever watch MMA, um, the fighting, somebody has to tap out. (laughs) I give up, tap out. You're going to break my arm. That's what this means. It means tap out, give up. And we're giving up 
to God, not to sin. This is helpful if you use it. Listen, if you use this, it will help you. If you don't use this, it won't help you. Know, consider, present. Here's what that looks like. You know. So for, for me, um, I uh, start stressing. You know, and stress is a lack of faith. Stress, I, I think, often is, is sin. And so I'll look at what's going on, and I'll start stressing over it. I'll stress over what's going on here at church. I'll stress over not enough time to give to what I want. And I'll start stressing. I'll start worrying. And then I'll start worrying about certain people. And then I go, wait a minute. No, I'm, I'm free from that. I know that God, I mean, these kids this week, I know God loves them. I don't have to worry and stress. I know it. Consider where I line up. Okay, now I'm going to look at my life. I see the stress. That's a lack of faith. There's, okay, so there's a lack of faith in me. But now I choose to present myself to God. okay then I'm not gonna stress anymore. I actually, I give that to him in prayer and I walk away. And then if I leave it there, I'm free. I experience the freedom. The same with lust, guys or girls, same with lust. You can choose to let your mind go, but, or you can go, and for a long time, I thought I had to. Or you can go, you know what? I'm free. The Bible says I'm free. Jesus set me free. Now I consider it. This does not line up with Jesus. Now present. Okay, then I'm going to walk this way. I choose to go that way. That's what this looks like. No, consider, present. We had kind of a good example, I think, yesterday as our kids were in the swimming pool. And uh, one kid was picking on the other kid um, and swimming underwater and pinching her butt. <laughs> and then swimming away. And the other one was getting really mad. And then she'd turn and she'd spit water in her face. So one was really picking a fight. And so that one had a choice. She could lash out, she could fight back, she could do something back. And as the bad dad I am, I watched for a while. <laughs> Inside, what's gonna happen? Hey, Callie, come watch, <laughs> you know? And so we're watching as the one, something happens to her and she thinks, and it's going. She knows she shouldn't lash out and she knows she can, she, she doesn't have to either. And there's, so there's like a, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then, thinking about it, and then sometimes a, ah, okay, go back to doing whatever, and then she comes back and does something else, and you see the battle, and that's the battle we go through all the time, isn't it? I know the right thing to do. I know where I don't line up, but now I have to actually do it. Now I have to present myself to God. No, consider, present, or yield. That's what this looks like, and the power is there in you and in me through the Holy Spirit. We have it. It's there. If we know this truth and we, when we live by this truth, this is in your notes, success comes in the form of a continuous presentation of your entire self to God. Of your entire self to God. I like the word continuous. Because we are in these bodies, sin will be a temptation. It will always be present then we have to continuously present ourselves back to God. For me, it's every morning. <laughs> every morning, and then again, maybe hourly or minute. It's a constant thing of presenting ourselves to God for his work. Romans 12.1 says this well. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I urge you to present yourself. This is worship. We get together here on Sunday to worship, but worship is really all week. Presenting ourselves to God for him to use for, for his purposes. 
regardless of the results. This is freedom. This is freedom. You are free. This is really what I, there's two Christian freedoms, freedom from sin and freedom from law. We're gonna talk about that one next week because we can tend to become legalists and nobody wants to be around a legalist. But this week, freedom from sin. Do you know this is true? Those things right now, you guys probably have something in your mind. That thing that you feel enslaved to, you feel chained to. Well, here's the thing. Have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, you're chained to it and you're hosed. <laughs> Until you surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. If you've done that, if you've come to Jesus and said, I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe it. I know you rose from the dead. And now I want you to be Lord of my life. If you've done that, you have the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to walk in holiness, to walk free from those things that will destroy you and destroy your family. But you have to know it. You have to think about it, consider it, compare yourself to Jesus, and then present yourself to God to be used. That's the order. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the freedom that we have. And I ask for forgiveness for not always living in that freedom. You know how weak we are in our own strength. You know our tendencies. You know our hearts. But I'm so thankful because your word is clear. Father, I know that when you look at me, you don't see my sin. I know when you look at me, you see Jesus. And it's not because of anything I've done to earn it. And I thank you for that. But because you've saved me and I belong to you, I long to be holy like you are holy. I long to walk in holiness, in purity. I long to be used for your kingdom, and, and we all do here. We long to be used by you for great things, but we can't when we're enslaved to sin. Forgive us for going back to our old life, resurrecting our old self and walking the way we used to. Thank you for your forgiveness and, and your grace, but God, we, we wanna get better. We wanna improve. We wanna become more useful to you. We wanna experience your freedom at a deeper level every day. So I ask, Holy Spirit, please convict us right now. If there's anybody in here that needs to take a step, an action step, I pray that they would do it. They know, they've considered, and now they see the issue where they don't line up and they need to yield to you. God, I pray that they would take that step. If they need to confess to somebody, get some help, I pray they would do it. And use us for your work. Set us free from sin so that we are available tools by your hand to do great things and change Carson City, Nevada, the U.S. and the world. Change the world. Bring people to you in droves, please, and use us to do it. We want to be part of it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.